Welcome to Real Christianity with Mosley Collins, a weekly call to a deeper walk with God. Here's Mosley. Hi, and welcome to today's program. This is our fourth in a series of studying the Lord's Prayer. And uh, today we're going to study that part of the Lord's Prayer where we pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, before we get into today's prayer, I want to know if I could ask you a favor. Uh, there's a, a young girl named Nakia Johnson. She's in the intensive care ward at San Jose, or rather Mercy San Juan Hospital in San Jose, in uh, Sacramento. She's 16 years old, and she got run over by a bus. And I, I was called to uh, by her family to come represent her as her attorney. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me because it was a month ago that she was run over by the bus, and she's still in intensive care. She's very hurt. And so would you join me right now in praying for little Nakia Johnson? Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name for Nakia that you would be there with her, that you would heal her, that you put angels in that room, that you would guide the doctors, and that you would give her a full recovery and ease her pain and help her family. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I, I promised your family I would pray that uh, for Nakaya at the beginning of the program. Now, let's, let's, let's uh, look at the Lord's Prayer as we said we were going to. And the Lord's Prayer is something well known by us. And let's just recite it now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, in the past programs, we've talked about how this is a balanced prayer. There are seven petitions here. The first three deal with God's kingdom, and the last four deal with us. And the reason I say it's a balanced prayer is You know, sometimes we pray, give me this, give me that, I need this, I need that, I want this, I want that. I need a car, I need a husband, I need a wife, I need a job, I need money. And all those things are important. And it is by far better to pray for those things than not. However, it's not a balanced prayer. A balanced prayer, we start by acknowledging the glory of God and his wonderful power. And that's what we do in the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're doing today, is we're going to study the third of the petitions, which is, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here today, we're going to talk about God's will. Now, what is God's will? You know, I think we would admit to ourselves that sometimes we have a negative view of what is the will of God. Well, it's God's will. It's not my will. It's God's will probably something I don't want because, well, it's not my will, it's God's will. And sometimes we are thinking of uh, a passage in the Bible, Luke twenty-two forty-two, where Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane right before his crucifixion. He prayed, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so we're kind of focused on this idea that God's will is something that's very difficult, very painful, Not our will, but his will. But we're missing something. We're missing the whole teaching on the crucifixion and the role that Jesus played. We're missing the fact that Jesus was filled with joy. 
when he took a look at his whole ministry, his whole purpose on earth, he was filled with joy. And here's what we read in Hebrews 12:2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Of course, the right hand of the throne of God being the place of honor. So you see, he, had the, he understood the joy of doing God's will. It wasn't a negative as a whole. There were moments of, neg- of it was negative, but as a whole, doing God's will was a great joy for Jesus. And I can tell you that the plan of God for your life, the will of God for your life, is for your joy, not for your hurt. Now, the joy that Jesus was filled with was the understanding that he was saving all of mankind who would receive him. He understood he'd be sitting down at the right hand of God when he finished his ministry. He understood he was defeating all the satanic powers that hurt and injured the people he loved. And so he was filled with joy. And God's will for your life is also joy and happiness. Now, let me give you an example. If you are married or you're considering marriage, it's God's will for your life that you should be happily married for the rest of your life and close to your spouse and filled with joy. Well, you may say, Mosley, can you prove that? Can you prove that to me that that's really God's will for my marriage? And I will tell you, yes, I can. And I would invite you to Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, going through verse 24. And let me read you what the Bible says. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him, or I will make a companion comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a companion comparable to him. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So here we see it was God's idea to join man and woman as equals, as comparable uh, helpmates to each other because God didn't want the people, he didn't want the man or the woman to be lonely. And so as you can see, marriage is God's idea. And it's because it's God's idea, it's a good idea. It's a blessed idea. Now, Jesus commented on this in Mark uh, chapter 10. Let's turn to that. Mark chapter 10, 
verse 1 through 10. And here's another thing I like about this is it just shows how deep and richly Jesus was into the scriptures, into the Old Testament, how well he knew the Bible of his day. Verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Then Jesus arose from there and came into the region of Judea by the other side of Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him. And Jesus answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. For from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So here we see Jesus repeating what God said in Genesis. Number one, that God created the union of man and woman. Number two, that they were supposed to be very close and very intimate because they're going to be one flesh. They're not even two. They're one in God's eyes. And number three, we notice that Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man separate, or in the King James, put asunder. You see, Jesus said God had joined together a man and a woman in a marriage and let nothing separate them. And whatever would separate a man from his wife is not the will of God because it's the will of God that you should have a spouse who you love and who loves you and has a lifetime loving relationship. Now, let me tell you, it's your destiny and your right as a child of God to know and understand God's will for your life. And that's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Now, there's no doubt the will of God is done in heaven. So here we're praying that his will would be done on earth in our lives like it's done in heaven. Now, in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, we read this. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord. So here we read, and let me just repeat that, but understand what is the will of the Lord. Now, if you're married or contemplating married, then you should understand that God's will is to have a wonderful, close, lifetime marriage. Now, the Bible wouldn't say that we should understand the will of God unless we could understand the will of God. And if we should understand the will of God, how do we go about doing that? How do we go about knowing what is the will of God? God's will is set forth in the Bible. If you read the Bible, if you listen to radio programs like this one that teach the Bible, if you attend a church that teaches the Bible, then you will discover God's will for your life. Now I have a hot tub in my backyard. And when it was installed, they gave me a booklet. 
but I never bothered to read that booklet. And now that booklet's lost. So guess what? I have a hard time operating that hot tub. When I'm sitting out there in the hot tub and I'm pushing buttons, it doesn't always do what I want it to do. I struggle with it. It's frustrating because I'm not sure which buttons to push. It causes me a lot of trouble and I'm ready to send it back. It doesn't work as well as it should because I don't know the instructions. It's not as pleasurable as I thought it would be. Now, in a similar way, the Bible contains God's instructions for how we should live our life. Just like that instruction booklet for the hot tub tells me how to, or would tell me how to operate my hot tub if I'd have read it, the Bible will tell you how to operate your life if you will read it or if you'll listen to people teach it. Now, let me give you an example of how this works. Let's imagine you're having a rough time in your marriage and you're considering divorce. Well, if you'll read your Bible and listen to people teach the Bible, you will understand that it's not God's will that you divorce. Rather, it's God's will that you work it out, that you fall back into love, and that you stay married. Now, you might say to me, well, Mosley, you don't know my husband, or you don't know my wife. No, I don't know your husband. I don't know your wife, but I do know the will of God for your life, and I know the power of God. I know it's the will of God for you to stay married, and I know it's the power of God that can accomplish that and give you a marriage full of joy. Ruth Graham is the wife of Billy Graham, and once she was asked, Ms. Graham, have you ever considered divorce? And she replied, no, but I've considered murder. Now, in her, her humorous way, she was saying, I won't consider divorce because I know it's not the will of God for my life. Now, when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're praying, among other things, that God's will for an intimate and a lifelong marriage will come true in your life and in your children's lives and in your parents' lives. Now, what else is the will of God? It's the will of God that you would spend an eternity in heaven with God, filled with joy. Now, sometimes we have a misconception of God. Sometimes we see him as a harsh, impatient judge, looking for and recording all our mistakes, and that his will is to punish us. Well, I can tell you that's not true. Let me read to you, Second Peter 3, 8 through 9. And here's what the Bible says in Second Peter. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some would count slowness, but he is patient towards us. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can you see the love of God in that scripture? God doesn't want any to perish. He's not sitting up there judging people. He's not happy when people make mistakes. He's grieved. He wants people to make heaven their home. He wants you and me and the people we love and know. He wants us not to perish, 
but to have everlasting life with him. That's his will. He's not willing that people perish, although some will perish when they refuse his will. Now, I'm reminded of John 3.16. Now, let me give you the paraphrased version. God loved the people of our world so much that he gave Jesus that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Now, have you received and believed on Jesus so that you won't perish, but instead have everlasting life? Can I just take a minute here in today's program and invite you to pray with me, whether you're a believer or not, to either ask Christ into your life or reconfirm Christ in your life? Let's pray together, and I'll pray out loud, and you can repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Amen. Now, if you were sincere when you prayed that with me, you have received Christ. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you are walking right now in the will of God, the same will we pray that will come on earth as it is in heaven in the Lord's Prayer. Now, did you know when you, uh, when you will, when you understand God's will and you walk in it, did you know that Jesus considers you as a member of his own family? Now, if I told you my big brother was some rich, powerful man, say Bill Gates, who's one of the richest men in the world, if I told you he was my big brother and we were very close and he helped me a lot, you'd be thinking, wow, that's good for Mosley. I'm sure that Mosley's rich and powerful brother is helpful to him. It's a big advantage for Mosley to have someone like that in his life, to be a member of that family. Well, that might be true or it might not, but I'm going to tell you something 1,000 times better. Jesus is not only my Savior, but he's also my brother. He considers me his brother. Let me read to you from Matthew 12, 46 through 50, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it begins at verse 46. While Jesus was still talking to the multitude, behold, his mother and brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And let me just tell you as an aside, his mother obviously was Mary, and Mary had other children after Jesus, so that he had earthly brothers. So let's go back to uh, verse 48. But Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And then Jesus stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful verse of Scripture? Jesus is saying to you and to me, if you do the will of my Father, I will consider you my brother. We normally think of Jesus as our Savior, and we hold him in awe and reverence, which is correct and the right thing to do. But here Jesus graciously and in such great kindness is willing to consider us not just in that way, but also consider us as close as and actually as spiritual brothers to him. 
it's do you see it's wide open this is a wide open opportunity that god gives us to be his to be jesus's sister if you're a female would you like to be considered by jesus his sister if you're a man would you like it if jesus considered you his brother boy i do i can't think of anything better than that it's wide open now when you're born the first time you have whatever brothers and sisters you have but if when you're born again you can choose to have Jesus as your brother by simply doing the will of God. Now, what else is the will of God for your life? As we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You understand what we're really praying here is, your will, God, the wonderful will that sustains heaven, that created heaven, full of joy and happiness and eternal life, that will I'm praying comes true in my life, in my world, in my family, in my children, in my parents. So what is this will of God? What's another, what's another example of the will of God? Well, it's the will of God that you would have an abundant life in this world and in the world to come. Let me read you what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. That's the King James Version. In the Living Bible, it's translated, I have come that they might have life, and life in all its fullness. In the NIV's version is, I have come that they might have life, and they might have it to the full. Do you catch here what Jesus' purpose was in coming? It was to give you and to give me abundant life, full life, life in all its fullness, in all, its, in all the, the wonderful things that God can bring into our life. Now, it's the will of God that you would have abundant life in this world and in the world to come. Let's take a minute and talk about abundant life in this world. In 3 John, we read this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, the author of this book was John. John, who also authored the Gospel of John. John, who authored Revelation. John, who walked with Jesus, perhaps his closest disciple. John, who the Bible says was led, just like all the writers of the Bible, by the Spirit of God and wrote according to the Spirit of God, said, I pray that you may prosper in all things. That's the will of God for your life, that you prosper in all things. Prosper in all things? How about your marriage? Yes. Job? Yes. Finances? Yes. Relationship with your children? Yes. A ministry? Yes. A calling? Yes. Now, that's this world. How about the world to come? In 1 John 2.17 we read, And this present world is fading away, along with everything it craves. But if you will do the will of God, you will live forever with Christ. If you do the will of God, you will live in eternity with Jesus. And here's what Jesus said in John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. So pray the Lord's Prayer with me this week, thinking and knowing how great and wonderful that will of God is when it comes true in our life. And I will see you next week. 
Thank you for joining us for Real Christianity. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by today's message from Mosley Collins. Mosley lives with his family in the Sacramento area. He's available to teach at your church, Christian group, or Bible study. There is never a charge for his ministry. If you have questions about today's subject or you wish to invite Mosley to come speak to your group, you can reach him at 916-444-4444. 